Hi, Hannah. Hey, Anna. Hey, so we've been talking about our identities as writers for a while now. I think it's time to do our podcast. That's a great idea, but what should we call it? Hmm. How about how about a play on the pen is mightier than the sword? Like the pen is that, that's it. The pen is. The pen is so many things. It's scary, it's honest, it's funny, and the pen lets us explore what it means to be a work in progress. <laughs> and hey, Hana, we are a work in progress. You said it. Let's get started. Okay. I do have to confess something. Please. I did not manage to finish my <laughs> writing prompt. Oh my gosh. I know, I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I have to admit, um, I just looked at it uh, like 10 minutes ago and noticed in all caps, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to end this story! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh-huh. And chuckled to myself because, well, you failed to finish your story. I didn't even write one. <laughs> I love so it. I am deeply, deeply offended at your inability to stay on task. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I flagellate myself and create myself <laughs> at your feet. And I'm so, you know, this is my deepest apologies. But um, thank you. Thank you. I was thinking to appeal to you and maybe stay the executioner's hand <laughs> by yeah. suggesting that if you want to read through the story oh. and see if you have any ideas for a potential mm -hmm. ending, I feel like maybe this could be a really good opportunity for us to collaborate on writing something. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you... Would you, I mean, it seems short enough I could read it out loud. Yeah. Pretend, like, so it's not just me reading with silence and hemming and hawing mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and sipping on my coffee um, intermittently, which I can do right now, just a second. <laughs> I hear that. How was that? Was that good? Again, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do that. So I will read this and um, see if I can't on the fly come up with a suggestion for a potential ending how's that well and it doesn't have to be you know like sprung fully formed okay. style from your head but just yes. if you have any hints or if it makes you think of okay. a half-formed idea whatever you have I am open okay. To. okay let's do that all right <clears throat> let me get my reading voice on please it's similar to my reading glasses <laughs> I'm a little um <clears throat> Flemmy this morning. Excuse me. <laughs> Once again, I, I I want to reiterate for our our lovely audience that it is eight thirty a.m. Um, for me, and I am currently lying in my darkened room because I have blackout curtains and I'm wearing my fuzzy red robe in my bed while sipping coffee um, with a pillow over my lap with my laptop on it. Um, so this is how I am currently spending my moments reading your story. That sounds super cozy, and I love it. Thank you. All right, so Hana's story, creepy story monkey. Yeah, no, no title. That's definitely <laughs> <laughs> a placeholder. I will just. I think it's the perfect title. <laughs> and I'm cold reading this, so I apologize for um, stumbling or or not getting 
um, certain inflections correct. Totally fine. The day was waning, shadows from the trees long against the grass as the girl walked her dog down the lane. Though the leaves had barely begun to lose their green, there was a crispness to the air that hinted at harvest time, morning frost, and the need for sweaters. The dog ran slightly ahead, trotting toward the field in anticipation of the long expanse of grass to run through. Occasionally, she would stop to sniff at a plant here or a pile of dirt there, responding to cues that were invisible to the human senses. They approached the overgrown walkway leading to the field where the dog hesitated, waiting until her companion was with her before stepping into the shade cast by the trees overhead. You always stop at the same spot, the girl said to the dog, reaching down to give a comforting scratch between her ears as she wondered out loud to herself, is there something you can sense here that I can't? They continued down the path, the dog wandering from side to side until they reached the field, where the girl unclipped the leash and immediately the compact furry body went flying across the terrain in an ecstasy of joy and freedom. As she watched her faithful shadow run in widening circles around her, she felt a slight chill in the air, though no breeze ruffled the tall grasses around her. For a moment, Everything seemed to pause slightly, as though the world were holding its breath. The sky darkened for a split second and all sounds stopped. Then everything started again, so quickly, the girl thought she must have imagined it. The dog came bounding over from where she had been investigating a shrub, beloved by all the dogs in the neighborhood. Panting, she sat down expectantly and cocked her head to the side, waiting for the treat she knew was coming. The girl looked closely at her to see if she had noticed the same odd moment of stillness, but she seemed unaffected or at least wasn't dwelling on it. Shaking her head to clear the fog, she reached into her pocket and held out her po open palm to the waiting dog, who eagerly scarfed down the small knot of dried beef before turning around to head home. The girl was walking down the tree-lined path behind the dog, lost in thought when she felt the hairs on the back of her neck rise in response to being watched by someone. <clears throat> At the same moment, the dog stopped, dropped her head down, and began to growl softly until the girl tugged on her harness to get her moving again. She looked around but saw no one on the path in front or behind, nor were there any noises of people in the fields and yards hidden by the trees. Once they reached the end of the path where the pavement began, the feeling began to fade until just a faint sense of heaviness remained. Echoed by the clouds that had rolled in during their way back home, the dog relaxed out of the hunting position she had adopted, trotting cheerfully back to the house. Walking to the field the next day, late in the afternoon, the girl had forgotten entirely about any strange occurrences from the previous day. The sun was hidden behind a veil of clouds, and the air felt thick with cool humidity the moment of calm before the torrent of rain, and sensing the impending deluge, the girl walked faster than usual, coaxing the dog along with her ear scratches and calls. And as she walked, she thought she caught something moving out of the corner of her eye, but all was still when she turned her head in that direction. And walking closer, she saw a light-colored object poking out through the brush at the edge of the path. A pair of eye, wide eyes stared at her, between leaves and then she was standing in front of it. She vaguely registered the dog giving the spot a wide berth as she tried to hurry past in the field. The monkey was neither small nor large, about the size of a teddy bear. 
Its wicker straw was tightly woven and appeared to have been painted white at some point, but exposure to the elements had worn the color down to a dirty gray. It lay on a bed of leaves, one of its legs partially torn and hanging at an angle from the body. It seemed like a toy from an earlier era, too stiff and uncomfortable to hug like a plush animal, but too delicate to toss around like the plastic and rubber toys children left lying in their yards throughout the neighborhood. Gazing down at it, the girl felt a shiver go through her body. It seemed innocuous enough lying there in the muck, clearly thrown out by its previous owner, but who would own something like this and why would they rid themselves of it here? The eyes were flat and shiny, with no depth to them, but their stare was unnerving, the stare of a dead animal, and yet somehow it felt like the monkey was observing her in turn. At once a breeze blew through the trees, rousing her from her staring contest with a broken toy. The girl gave herself a shake and turned into, to the dog waiting at the end of the path, and together they walked to the field. She told herself she was imagining it, but there seemed to be a faint imprint of the monkey's white button eyes burned into her vision, like the aftermath of looking directly at a bright light. As she chased the dog around the open expanse of grass, the memory and image of eyes faded away, and walking back to the house, she became very aware of the spot where the monkey lay as they neared it. Telling herself that she was being silly, she concentrated very closely on looking straight ahead, not wanting to catch a glimpse of those shiny, creepy eyes staring at her through the deepening twilight. It was easy to concentrate on the dog trying to stretch herself to the end of her leash, avoiding the spot where the monkey lay. And as she and the dog moved out of the trees and into the neighborhood, the girl found herself breathing a little more easily. The days passed, growing shorter, and the girl and her dog continued their afternoon routine. Each time they would approach the spot where the monkey lay, the girl would quickly glance at it before hurrying past. The dog never got any closer to the toy than she had to, hugging the other edge of the path as she ran by. The girl noticed the monkey showing signs of exposure to the outdoor elements, the legs separating more from the body until it was barely hanging on by a few straws, the paint fading even more so that it blended into its surrounding surroundings and became harder to spot. Everything aged and changed except for the eyes, which remained a stark, staring, shiny white. One day, as they were walking to the field, the girl noticed that the toy wasn't in its customary spot. Thinking she must have missed it, seeing it as she walked the dog, she put it from her mind, not wishing to dwell too long on something that made her so uneasy. However, when she walked back home and with her compa tired companion, the girl saw that it was truly gone. Indeed, the dog showed no unease in that spot, trotting past with confidence. Although she felt somewhat embarrassed by her strong reaction to a discarded plaything, the girl felt a sense of relief. And in the days that followed, she went on with life as normal and didn't give the mysterious toy with the staring eyes any more thought. Walking to and from the field went smoothly. And with the dog occasionally stopping at random spots to bark at unseen or imagined threats. And every so often, the hairs on the back of her neck would rise and she would look around to see if anyone was watching her. But the moments never lasted long and were infrequent enough that she never made a connection between them. Standing by her bedroom window one night, the girl was getting ready for bed when she glanced outside at the ring of light cast by the street lamp across the street. As she turned back to a wardrobe, something flashed just out of the corner of her eye at the edge of the light circle. She turned back to the window to see what was out there, but nothing within the lit space. 
All the same, she felt that sensation of someone watching her and tried to peer through the darkness beyond to detect any eyes that might be watching her. And she moved from the window and continued with her nighttime routine, trying to push the event out of her mind. Had she seen a small grayish body with a pair of bright eyes in that moment, brief moment, or had she just imagined it? A particularly warm and sunny fall day arrived, making the regular walk to the field feel almost summery. The dog ran on ahead after they approached the tree-lined section as though she wanted to get through it as quickly as possible. The trees were now almost entirely bare of leaves, and the ground was littered with yellow, orange, and brown leaves that gave a satisfying crunch under the girl's boots. As she emerged onto the packet of dirt of the path beyond the trees, she thought she heard an echoing rustle of leaves, as though someone was walking behind her. The girl turned to look, but no one was behind her, and the sound had been so faint as to be almost non-existent. Telling herself it must have been a small breeze on the otherwise still day, she walked on after the dog. Returning home, she again enjoyed the sound of the leaves crackling beneath her steps, even as the dog fairly flew past her in an effort to spend as little time as possible between the rows of looming crooked branches. This time, after she stepped onto the roadway and left the leaf-strewn path behind, she heard the unmistakable sound of steps swishing through the leaves, an uneven gait that sounded as though one leg was dragging. She tried to appear as nonchalant as possible before suddenly whirling around, but again saw no one behind her. A few leaf fragments fluttered at the side of the path, as though someone had brushed past them but the thick pile of leaves underneath the trees appeared undisturbed, and she peered around for a few seconds longer before the dog's barking caught her attention, and she hurried to catch up to her companion. To be continued, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Thank you, that was lovely hearing it in your voice. <coughs> it was enjoyable to read. I've been um, doing a lot of reading of Harry Potter for my son, and, um, you know, it's, it's meant for children. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to read something a little, a little more adult, let's say. Mm -hmm. So that was enjoyable. Thank you. Um, I'm curious from you, why, um, why do you feel suddenly uncertain about where it goes from here? <laughs> well, there's a, a pretty simple answer to that, luckily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so pretty much up until the moment where, um, you know, after the monkey disappeared, all of that was with a few embellishments here and there. All of that was just real life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. I didn't get like a sense of unease or, you know, have any of those other reactions. Ivy couldn't have cared less that we ran into this monkey. Like she, yeah, had no problems with it. There were no supernatural uh, sensations or anything. But, you know, the description of everything, it, it wasn't that hard. Most of it was already done for me because it was stuff I'd actually experienced. And then, you know, I got this idea for having a couple of uh, uneasy moments following the toy's disappearance that could kind of hint that it was still there and, and maybe watching her. Um, but unlike the last creepy story, you know, I really kind of started with the, the atmosphere 
and this one prompt of the toy, but I didn't have a really strong thread of a narrative that I wanted to create. So I have no idea where I want it to end. Is there something in particular you want this character to experience or learn? One thing that's crossed my mind with this is, um, and I think it also sort of was a, a factor in the last story. So both the protagonists are alone. You know, I guess the girl in this story does have her dog, but there aren't other humans that are there to perform or to create kind of like a protective community um, or family around her, similar to the protagonist in The Lanternfish, who is able to be kind of preyed on by um, by the antagonist because she is so isolated. And here it's the same thing. Um, and I thought about two different things. So one, I could add you know, um, a family. So whether that's a partner or parents or, you know, roommate, whatever it might be, um, and have this woman, this girl kind of experience this growing sense of dread and paranoia that she's being followed by a toy and then have that, um, that feeling that's so frustrating and horrible to have other people totally discount it to say, mm -hmm. I've never seen this toy. I have no idea what you're talking about. Also, it's just a toy. Why are you reacting so strongly? And how um, how isolating that can make you feel in the midst of being in, in relationships with other people. Or I can keep her alone unit like this and then have that, that um, similar feeling of vulnerability of, I know this thing is coming for me and I have no one around to protect me other than mm, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I like both of those ideas because both hit upon, uh, you know, a, a common and relatable fear for people of isolation and vulnerability. For me, I tend to have more fear around the idea that nobody believes me, that I am being invalidated for, for whatever reason as a kid, that kind of like fear was really big for me. Did you ever watch um, the, the Flight of the Navigator? The name sounds really familiar. Tell me a little bit about it. So it's like a movie that was filmed in the 80s. And <clears throat> it's about this kid who like basically stumbles across a spaceship and um, ends up going inside of it and like, flying around the world and then like when he comes back um it like basically bent time for him and so like it, like time moved forward into the future but like w without him like he he jumped to the future without realizing it and when he like got out of the spaceship and ran home it was like different people in his house and like he couldn't find his family mm -hmm. and like I just remember this like feeling of like that moment where he like ran into his house and like some old people were living in his house who didn't know who he was mm -hmm. and like didn't believe him like like that kind of experience for me as a kid for whatever reason is like horrifying that like I'm alone and isolated nobody believes me and I have no one to protect me mm -hmm. and so like 
for me, the the idea of you, you like, using the story as in like this girl um, has this experience that no one else shares with her and no one believes her is like, for me, that's like utterly terrifying. Mm -hmm. Because you, you expect that you have these people around you who, you know, part of what it means to have a relationship with someone is that you can trust each other to protect you and, and be there for you when you're feeling vulnerable or threatened. And yes, much of a betrayal it is to then bring your fear to someone and have them totally dismiss it. Exactly. I mean, that's basically gaslighting, like denying reality and like, Mm -hmm. and then not supporting you, just like poo-pooing you, dismissing you. And then you have to go back to your reality, terrified and not supported. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like this. Okay. (laughs) Is that, is that, no, I think some pings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not quite sure about is, um, is this all in her head or is this really happening? Yeah. And, and I, I think mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. idea of leaving it a little bit. Yes. Yes. Potentially do you? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, so yes. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Leaving it up to the reader to really like, not really saying, mm-hmm. making, making the entire piece just uncomfortable, just not, not, not fun, like fun, but like, uneasy throughout the like throughout the entire piece and like um it, it kind of reminds me of when I was <clears throat> taking theater classes at U of O one of one of the um I think it was like history of theater and like the different styles of theater one of them is called Dadaism do you recall that at all or do you are you I've heard of that, that as term? an art movement but I'm yeah, not as an art movement. familiar with yeah. theater I, I mean, that's where we learn it from. And, and and you can do it within within like theater pieces where basically you're trying to make the audience extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, like really pushing them out of their comfort zones and things like that. And like, I don't know why it is, but for whatever reason that like idea of art form stuck with me, even though that's one I would have a hard time doing for people because I don't like making people necessarily feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. or like, Anyway, so the point point of that is, is like, I can see using that like idea that that idea of discomfort for your audience by just, you know, like not not finishing a chord, you know, like keeping mm-hmm. that dissonance. Mm-hmm. Oh, the bane of every musical person. <laughs> Unresolved chord progression. No, <laughs> just finish it. Torture. Um, I think the other thing that I thought about too with that, you know, so historically there's been, I would say kind of a genre um, that, you know, especially ones that have maybe a female protagonist um, that end up kind of fetishizing her possibly being gaslit or being, you know, misdiagnosed with hysteria or whatever. Um, and the social justice warrior in me does want to be really sensitive to not, um, not fetishizing, you know, Mm -hmm. capital M, um, and very much, you know, if that does come into the dynamic, once they bring in other relationships into this story, yeah, uh, you know, I get to end with her in a padded cell somewhere muttering to herself that can (laughs) image because I think that's really mm-hmm. really big disservice to women who mm-hmm. aren't trusted mm-hmm. to tell their own stories and aren't believed um and b 
many people have to and are able to, but are forced to live with things that make them really uncomfortable and they manage yeah. their life, but it's not good that they do that, but it's what happens. There are plenty of strong mm. people who deal with stuff every day that drives them a little bit bonkers and they don't have the power to change that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good point in that you don't want to continue sort of a stereotypical theme of a female protagonist that is um, invalidated and pushed aside and then gone crazy um, as women often have in history. And so I, I feel like you could, you could take that in, in a couple of ways. You could either take it with the resolution of the story of her, like, overcoming and standing tall and like proving herself that she isn't crazy that this is happening or you could still end it with with nobody still believing her but somehow making you know weaving some sort of just um lesson into that like story you know like a lot of um creation myths and things like that are often stories that are are created or given to the storyteller um, because it, it's, it's, it's a lesson or it's somehow making a point, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, you could make this a little bit more, I don't want to say, uh, what's the word? Um, hmm, I can't think of the word. The only word that's popping up is political and that's not what I mean. Uh, but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and I'm even thinking, you know, so when we were starting to talk about having, you know, bringing other people into it, and I immediately my mind went to, okay, so maybe this could be the narrative. She is exposed to and gradually driven into insanity by the threat of this toy that no one else sees. And then maybe she's, you know, um, it, it impacts her so much that she ends up, like I said, that image I don't want of her being locked away in a room somewhere. And then the main person who didn't believe her sees the toy and mm -hmm. realizes the entire time that she was right. But what I really dislike about that is, so it's a really common trope that's out there. And basically it, it sort of uses her as a teachable moment for other people, right? Like she ends up- right discarded <clears throat> right this other person sees it that the audience is like oh okay then she was telling the truth this whole time she wasn't just crazy mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like, no I I like the idea of leaving it ambiguous and mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. might not be as thrilling an end but to kind of have her maybe just realize okay she's gonna have to deal with um continuing to like like go out the door and take her dog to that field every day because mm -hmm. she needs the exercise and she's a responsible dog owner, even though she knows that she's going to have this feeling of being watched by this super creepy toy because that's right. what life is. Right. You so know what finally know made me end up with, but I feel like that's what I kind of want to start with and then maybe yeah. rework it and see if there's a way to make it a little bit more thrilling than that. Yeah. And, and you know, I was I I realized what word I was thinking of. I was thinking of satire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the direction you want to go, but that's that's what I was trying to think of was the word. But um yeah, so I I'd be curious for you um to run off with that thread that we went with, and then the next time we do get together. <clears throat> 
um, you may or may not still have an exact ending, but it would be cool to revisit where you are. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so like, yeah, explore, explore what we talked about and like maybe even rewrite a bit of what you've done to kind of like weave that in a little bit more and that, but don't pressure yourself to end it. Mm-hmm. Really just allow it organically to flow with, with this new direction. And in it, if you do end it, that's, you know, awesome. But if you don't, if you still find yourself uncertain, like it, it'd be fun to workshop it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, and I think this also um, makes me excited for, you know, future opportunities to do that. Like we, yeah. you know, uh, A, it kind of takes the pressure off of finishing it on your own if it's just not coming. Yes. Uh, you know that you have a buddy to help you, yeah, like bounce ideas and like you said, workshop it. And B, I think sometimes, you know, writing something collaboratively brings up more ideas or different ideas or a, a richer discussion than just talking it yourself. <clears throat> no I like it and I like the idea of of having your assistance with stories of mine too I, I I mean obviously the saying goes you know two heads are better than one and but it's also like coaching you know like just helping the the writer tease out what they really mean or see see a direction that you hadn't previously thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's really fun. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, good job. You did it. Thanks for your help. That was yeah. Good. Next week, Anna reveals her learning challenges that has come to light as she continues to navigate professional writing in her new position. This podcast has been another episode of The Pen Is, with your hosts Anna Bradley and Hannah Binder, and technical support provided by Julia Einersen. Thanks, as always, for spending some time with us as we learn about ourselves as writers and humans. You can find new episodes weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We love hearing from others about their own experiences with writing. Please feel free to email us at annahannapodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep that pen busy.